Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to another edition of the WrestleCopia Brands Power Hour Show. I'm your host, Ray Russell. Joining me, Steve Ekstat, for the next hour of goodness here on the Power Hour, Steve. If that's what you want to call it, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was setting you up for something funny. That that wasn't bad. Uh, I'll take it. So today's episode of the Power Hour, we just got finished watching the WWE TLC pay-per-view for 2020. It's the final WWE pay-per-view of 2020. And it felt just like 2020 to me, just pure shit. I'm, I can't say that. There was a couple. Of the, well, there was one decent takeaway I think of this whole night for me, anyway. Uh, but overall, just another WWE show, and like you said, not a whole lot of notes needed on your end because everything just feels the same. And I, I have to tend to agree here, outside of maybe a couple of things, which I know you're going to agree with me on anyway. Before we even get there, we're live in the Thunderdome. I thought they were moving to a stadium. What's going on with it? Is that they not did. until the Royal Rumble, or what is that? No, they did. This is uh, Tampa. They just uh, they lowered the they put a, their own makeshift roof on it to uh, hide it because the trap's ceiling is shit. So uh, I think they hide it and they did it to compress the sound. I'm guessing too. So they didn't change the name. It's still the Thunderdome. It's just a different arena. That's what threw me off. Then I got gotcha. you. Yep. Yep. It's Tropicana. If you right. if you look at the wall at the uh, during like the Big E Sami Zayn backstage, I wasn't shit, looking at anything. But I I believe you. <laughs> it talks about the Tampa Bay uh, charity thing or something. So that's how I knew they moved. Right. Not as clean as uh, the Orlando Arena. <laughs> tell you that. I, I would imagine not. So on the pre-show, <laughs> we got an eight-man tag, and I got to tell you, when I walked into these shows, now I have no idea. What the hell's going on? Who's doing what, where, when, why, or how? I usually run. I cheat. I go to Wikipedia about 15 minutes before the show, and I try to read up on the storylines on the Wikipedia page. So that's basically where I get all my information from, sad to say. Other than maybe here and there, I might read an excerpt here or there online throughout the course of a month. Or uh, maybe maybe we even have it. We haven't had it on Raw in weeks. And uh, there was a period there where I was kind of trying to pop Raw on just to catch up a little bit, keep up for these shows, but I just can't do it. I, I just, I can't do it here on the pre-show. It's eight man tag team action, Steve. And I think you missed this when you were uh, out doing family things, which is quite all right. right. I hold, I won't hold it against you. You missed nothing. <laughs> eight man tag team action. It's Daniel Bryan. Unfortunately, poor guy gets lumped into this match teaming with Otis, Chad Gable and big E. And the story here between Otis and Chad Gable, I guess Chad Gable's now the coach of Otis. So Chad Gable getting rid of the shorty G gimmick and uh, to get to be taken more seriously. That's why he's coaching Otis. And they're out here taking on the a four man team of Sami Zayn, King Baron Corbin, Cesaro and Nakamura. And we see some random shit from SmackDown. Sami Zayn has an award show where he wins all the awards himself. However, when he pulls out Superstar of the Year, Big E's name is on the ballot. What is up with that? Big E slides his name in there. Sammy Zayn, none too pleased as Big E came out to try and take the uh, the award away from Sammy. Sammy refused, and Big E threw him down the ramp. And that's the big feud here in this eight-man tag. The heels wind up getting heat on Daniel Bryan, uh, who has now has a sporting a goofy haircut. And uh, even the fake crowd noise was dead here, I put in my notes. I thought that was hilarious. There was very lackluster crowd noise here on the pre-show. And the commentary was just absolutely equal. Uh, very monotone commentary. We, me and you talk about the commentary all the time. It's really not even there. It's, it's really bad. And uh, Biggie gets the hot tag, hits the big ending 
on Sami Zayn. Match went eight minutes, and that'll set something up later for basically Big E's going to get a title shot. Sami Zayn's Intercontinental title on SmackDown this week, and that's your pre-show. That's what you missed on the pre-show, Steve. Sounds like a whole bunch of nothing. Um, yeah, I was doing some Christmas stuff with the family, and I missed the pre-show in the first 20 minutes of Drew and AJ, so... And uh, there's a funny story at the end that we'll talk about after the Kevin Owens Roman Reigns match. Uh, you can tell how I'll you I will let everyone know how in tune I am to current product at that moment. So uh, look forward to that in about thirty minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It might be more exciting than this show. <laughs> and we kicked it. We learned at the end of the pre-show. They announced it at the end of the pre-show that we're kicking the show off with WWE Champion Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles in a TLC match. So we already know what we're starting with here. And uh, apparently there was a mini tournament with a three-way finals, a triple threat what? finals that had featured AJ over Riddle and Keith Lee, I believe. You got something to add? Yeah, well I, I, well, I wanted to talk about Big E real quick. I don't know if you've seen it. I doubt it. But um, on Talking Smack, Paul Heyman and Big E kind of had a, a back and forth a little bit and uh paul Heyman turned back the clock or i know he hit, a lot of his promos now just seem very similar to everything he's been saying kind of like they did with brock he just kind of repeats himself but this one um was just incredible and if you can go back and watch it the last like two minutes of the, the back and forth between him and Big E, where he just goes in he's not necessarily going in but he's like this is the Big E everybody in that locker room has been waiting for and wanting to see and this is the Big E that when it's all said and done 10 years from now, we'll be in the Hall of Fame and the New Day will just be a footnote. And he's like, everybody's talking about Roman Reigns, but when was the last time you heard the word The Shield? And it's like an afterthought already because of how dominant and big Roman Reigns was. And then it kind of just left Big E floored. And uh, it, it was a really good segment. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know we kind of passed that match. but um, No, it sounds like some of the, the best like shit they've probably done in weeks, if not months. I'm not going to go back oh, and watch it though. Awesome. I can't for I can't get my I, I just can't psych myself up to watch anything <laughs> from the current product. But no, you delivering it for me that was perfectly fine enough. Uh, great job there by Paul Heyman, and I didn't even hear it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was great. And there's a it's like on WWE. You can check it out. It's just a small clip where they edited it all out, and they just got straight to Paulie Paulie. So um, very very well done. I thought to hide Biggie and make him elevated. So him getting the win on Sami Zayn makes sense. So. And we move into the pay per view. Yeah, yeah, that's. I'm down with it, man. I'm, I'm down. I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued. Maybe uh, I could pull that up on YouTube or something if they just put put that on there or something. Just that clip. But we kick the pay per view yeah. off. It's Drew McIntyre. He's defending the title against AJ Styles, who won some sort of mini tournament, as I said. The Triple Threat Finals saw AJ over Riddle and Keith Lee. Don't ask me how. Of course, AJ's now coming to the ring by that seven foot plus bodyguard of his. I believe they're calling him Amos or something like that. This last thing I read anyway. Drew McIntyre in control early. AJ takes over with a chair shot to Drew's leg as Drew is climbing the ladder. AJ Styles tries a Styles clash on the ladder, but Drew McIntyre counters and nails a double underhook DDT. A cool spot. AJ Styles actually traps Drew's leg in the ladder and locks in the calf crusher with the ladder involved. AJ Styles uh, eventually winds up climbing up the ladder to stand on the top rope. He attempts to dive to the floor, but Drew... Throws a chair in his face, and boy, does it connect. <laughs> Back in the ring, AJ Styles is slammed on top of the ladder, then pressed, gorilla press style, ultimate warrior style, pressed out of the ring through a table. Some nasty bumps here. 
from AJ Styles is what I wrote down. Me, I, actually, I wrote down Jesus. Uh, meanwhile, Drew ain't taking shit. So I felt bad for AJ. There's really no real crowd here, and he's just trying to kill himself. And he's, he's taking all the bumps so that it doesn't stick out so much that Drew's taking none of the bumps. And it's at this point that uh, The Miz makes his way out of the ring, and he power bombs Drew off the ladder through a table, and he's cashing in the money in the bank. It's now a triple threat match. And I thought to myself, please, dear God, no, please. Uh, the bodyguard Amos comes in the ring, though, and he pulls Miz down off the ladder, holds him like a baby, cradles him in his arms like a baby. And honestly, I thought it was really a, a pussy way to do this. He he drops him like a baby, drops drops him over the top, throw through a table on the floor. It was kind of comical, kind of funny. It involved the Miz, so it, it is what it is. I'm not a big fan at all. John Morrison whacks a chair across the back of Amos, but the chair explodes, a gimmick chair, no doubt, as the chair explodes into pieces and the bodyguard no-sells it, basically uh, chasing John Morrison to the back. I was wondering from the get-go, before the Miz ever came out, if AJ wasn't, uh, w- was going to uh, lose the match, how they were going to keep this bodyguard from interfering and keeping Drew Ma- uh, interfering and costing Drew McIntyre. This is the way they did it. Uh, they had him uh, wind up chasing Morrison out of the area at, at this point. So we have AJ Styles down, Drew McIntyre's down, and Miz down. And it's obviously a three-way now, so it's musical ladders as all three men wind up climbing up ladders, taking turns, throwing each other off the ladders. You don't know who's going to win. They're trying to build suspense, but I could give a shit less. As long as, as Miz doesn't come down with the belt, I was fine with this. Uh, AJ winds up getting pushed to the floor. Nasty bump again by Styles there. And, by Drew, and Drew McIntyre nails the Claymore kick on the Miz. And with both guys down, Drew McIntyre goes up, grabs the belt, gets the win, 27 minutes, lame is the last word I wrote here. <laughs> yeah, I picked it up. Um, I guess I saw pretty much the majority of the good part of the match. Uh, it doesn't sound like I missed anything of importance or substance, but uh, I thought it was a decent match. I mean, I thought they told a good story with Drew's leg. They, I know they kept on going back to that, and uh, a lot of issues with him trying to get the belt because of the leg that AJ worked on, and it's smart. It makes sense. You know, you work the leg. It's harder for him to climb the ladder. Um, I'm just curious if they're going to try and get out of the money in the bank cash in because Morrison was the one who handed it in instead of Miz. So I could see him giving them back the briefcase of some sort, some technicalities there. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I won't see cause I'm not going to watch tomorrow, but I could see it happening. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a decent match. It was a good way to open the show. Nothing like nothing crazy. Nothing you haven't seen before. Um, but yeah, it, it was just there. I felt like nothing blew the socks off. And, and like before, you said, I feel bad for AJ. Right, because I Because these too. guys are, he's, he's killing himself and there's no crowd reaction. It's all piped in. So uh, I feel bad for him for doing all that. And also, one last thing, I do love the look of Lamos. He's huge. He's massive. I, he, he's probably terrible in the ring. Um, but <laughs> he's got that I, giant Gonzalez look to him to where he might, might not be all that athletic. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, though. I haven't seen the guy do anything yet. I haven't either, but he has that presence of like a diesel where he just sticks out and you're like, I don't want to mess with that guy. And, um, and that, that, that works for AJ for what he's doing right now. So, um, I I like almost, I just don't want to see him in the ring yet. Yeah. And I want to point out too, I I said the last word I wrote for this match is lame and I'm not going to backtrack. That is the last word I wrote for the match. I don't want to take away from AJ here. 
he worked he worked his butt off. He took bumps. He it was they were absolutely unnecessary. But there are certain matches that don't require a ladder. This was probably that match. This would have been just fine doing the whole table spot and everything. I guess they needed this to work the Miz in as well. Again, throw away the money in the bank this year. First they give it to Otis out of a comedy relief and now comic relief, and now the Miz does this routine. Like you said, they might give him the belt the 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 briefcase back. I don't see that happening, but I wouldn't put it past the WWE. Only because no matter who cashed it in, the Miz was gung ho. Is the only thing I can come out of that with that. But I can see them easily giving them the briefcase back as well. I just I, I think I explained to you when you got home, you're like, well, you know, like I was basically trying to tell you what you missed. And at that point in the match, I basically described it as a heavyweight style ladder match, which means other than AJ taking those bumps, there was very little to it. Uh, you know, just guys working body parts and things. So I, it wasn't what I like. I, it's not my cup of tea. The, the way that this match unfolded, I feel bad for AJ. Like I said, and we'll move on with the show. AJ props to you, my friend, the rest of the match I could have done without SmackDown women's champion. Sasha Banks defends against the returning Carmella <laughs> with a manager or bodyguard. I'm not sure. Uh, a fellow by the name of Reginald Thomas. I Googled this name. I came up with nothing, Steve. I have no idea who this guy is or where he came from. I can only assume he came from NXT, but how he got called up beyond me, I, I have no idea. I've, I found the name hilarious. It just sounds funny rolling off my tongue. Reginald Thomas. It's just, I don't know. So yeah, apparently. I, uh, I was just going to say your guess is as good as mine on who this guy is. I think you asked me if I knew who it was. I said I had no clue. <laughs> I don't watch. So according to Wikipedia, and you're going to hear that a lot tonight as I give you the backstory on these, <laughs> these matches, Carmella returned a few weeks ago. Obviously she attacked Sasha Banks on SmackDown and Sasha wound up returning the favor a few weeks later, attacking Carmella. This led to a title match, I guess just this past week on SmackDown where Sasha got disqualified because she wouldn't release Carmella, just kept beating on her, beating on her in the corner. And the referee finally disqualified her. Of course, Carmella being the heel, her story is that Sasha feared her. So she got disqualified on purpose in order not to lose the belt here. So I marked down that we're almost an hour into the pay-per-view. I think we were 52 minutes into the pay-per-view before we got our second match. I have no idea what's going on with that. There's no excuse for that here. But uh, have I mentioned that I hate the tuba music Sasha Banks comes out to? Because I say that every month, I know. But I, I keep waiting. Is it going to change? Are they changing it back? No. There it is. There it is again. No thanks. It's like... Uh... Me talking about Macho Man staff infection. I guess <laughs> you and the tuba music. And uh, this is a little more timely. This happens repeatedly. This isn't several pay per views of staff infections. This is her continuing to use this well, damned music. I can't stand it. Well, guys continue to have staff infections in these pay per views too. So they they shouldn't these days. They shouldn't be cleared <laughs> if they do. Well, and the ones we're watching, they, they're... I'm not a big fan of Carmella people. either. I, I know you put, you were like, oh, she's pretty decent. I'm like, no, dude. I, I, in my opinion, she's a kind of per, one of those girls that they give her spots. She learns those spots. She's good at those spots. And those are the spots that she does. That doesn't make you a good wrestler. or you can't, That doesn't give you the capability of having a good match. Once you get done with your spots, what do you do next? How do you call shit in the ring if shit doesn't go the way it's supposed to go? I just don't see it from her. I don't think she's the worst thing that's ever been in the ring. Don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination. That whole Divas era, there were plenty of girls far worse that had no business in a ring. And they'd probably tell you that. But I'm still not, I, I don't see her getting, like, I don't mind if this is a one-off or a two-month gimmick, but 
I feared that she might get the belt here because, you know, this is the kind of shit they do, especially when Sasha Banks is champion. If you want to talk about uh, the Macho Man for a second, it's what they, it's what Hogan did to him all the time in WCW. So I just kind of felt like oh, yeah. they might be doing that here to Sasha. Again, Vince loves to do this to Sasha Banks here. Uh, I will say this for Carmella. She had it going on with those leopard prints. I, I got to say that much. They do a spot in the match, and I don't know if you're really paying hardcore attention to the actual uh, action at this point, but Carmella gives Sasha uh, a face buster, and uh, Sasha takes it on the the dome, man, right on the... She spikes her head right into the ground with the move. And that was all Sasha doing. It wasn't Carmella's fault. Uh, It looked intentional, but it was was nasty. Yeah, I've seen that. It it looked pretty nasty, and I know the the commentary kind of popped for it, too. I really emphasized it. it looked good, I thought. I mean, Sasha just went nosediving <laughs> for the cell instead of just laying flat. So it definitely looked – it's an awkward-looking X-Factor or, or whatever the hell X-Pac called the move. Yeah, but, and uh, I don't know the gimmick names here, but uh, Carmella does that leg lock, that, that head scissors where she's kind of bridged up on her arms here. She locked that in at this point in the match, and it looks good. Like, she's capable of doing it. It's, it's viable, but at the same time, it kind of looks like a choke. Is that legal? Uh, yeah, I have no idea, man. Sasha it's, winds up. It's, it's whatever they want it to be. Yeah. Sasha <laughs> winds up escaping the head scissors, however, and tries to go for the bank statement. Uh, Sasha winds up on the apron and, and lands the Meteora. See, I'm learning. I'm learning some of these names anyway. She does the Meteora off the apron onto Reginald Thomas. That's how I'm going to. I hope he sticks around because I just want to call him Reginald Thomas every time we, we do these shows. Carmella becomes frustrated that she can't put Sasha away, begins slapping her around and taunting her, and she really looks frustrated here. And out of nowhere, because she lets her guard down, it's the bank statement, and Sasha Banks gets the win in about 13 minutes. Thank God Sasha Banks retained the title here because I really thought, based on them bringing Carmella back with this big buildup that I read about, I thought that there was a a very good possibility she might walk out the uh, champion here. Yeah. I never felt like she had it shot. I didn't think they was going to do it to Sasha this time around just because of how long Bailey's run was and somebody finally ending it. I, I felt like, I feel like this is Sasha's big run um, that she's going to get. Um, but yeah, this, I, I wasn't offended by this match. I don't, I don't mind Carmelo. I think she has one of those gimmicks that kind of gets over and, and people enjoyed her. Uh, I know she had that run with our truth and people were enjoying that. Um, and things like that. So she may not be the greatest in the ring, but she's not offensive. And I can get into some of her matches as long as she's in there with a decent opponent uh, that can carry her. She's not going to carry anybody. I don't really expect her to, but no, she's this, in there with the right opponent. She's no, going to look decent. Yeah, this match was just there. I, I mean, it, what, I'm not saying this match was... Day, what, yeah, I agree. I'd rather watch Carmella all day than Nyla Rose. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, she can uh, so. move around without killing somebody. I'd rather watch her th- th- over Nia Jax, for that matter. Well, I'm with you. I'd rather I watch her over Billy Kay, who who is in the next segment of the show, by the way. Yeah, I, the, to me, like Billy Kay and Peyton Royce are better together than they are apart. So I, it's only a matter of time before they get back together. But, See, um, I'm, a, I'm a big Peyton Royce fan. Uh, Billy Kay, not so much. I like Peyton Royce, but um, I don't know. I, I just don't. The problem with the WWE is there's so many women, and there's so many women in NXT that could be called up at any time that's better than 
a lot of the people that are on the current roster. I mean, you got Rio Shirai's, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley. All those women are better than a lot of the people that are on the roster right now. Like, give me them over Nia Jax, Carmella, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, like a lot of the women. Right. So uh, to me, these this mid-tier women's group is better than almost anything anyone else has. But when you're so top-heavy like the WWE is, it's they kind of just flounder. So you go in and out of these cycles of, well, it's Carmella's turn to get repushed and given a little bit of a, a run here with, against the champion. And then she'll fall down and then somebody else will come up. So I think, I don't think she's here to take the title from Sasha. It's just you put all that time and effort into the vignettes and then she finally makes her debut. Can't kill her, but she tapped out pretty, pretty, uh, decisively emphatic. It felt huh. decisive. Like this, I mean, they may get another match out of it, but the Royal Rumble is a long way away. Right. So I think it might be a SmackDown type match. So I, I think this is it, really, to be honest with you. She kind of won pretty decisively. Like, this is it. So we go to the back. It's more ladies. It's Billy Kay with her resume. And I'm not sure what was going on here. She runs into Asuka. I don't know if she was asking to be Asuka's tag team partner tonight or if, if this was just a, a random skit backstage. I'm not really sure. I didn't follow it. I didn't really care enough to listen too closely. I know. I, I kind of read that, that. That's her gimmick now. She's got this resume, but I wasn't sure if they were playing into the tag match or not. Anyway, speaking of tag matches, we go back to the ring. It's Raw Tag Team Champions, The New Day, Kofi and Xavier Woods, taking on the Hurt Businesses, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. They're coming to the ring by MVP. And uh, I was happy to see The New Day out this time. Last week, or last time they were out, they were accompanied by Big E, even though they're on different shows. Of course, that was to sell a video game. Here, Big E's in the building. But he doesn't accompany the New Day anymore, and probably for good reason here. New Day do control early, they, but uh, the Hurt Business wind up taking over, getting heat on Xavier Woods. Hot tag to Kofi Kingston, who misses Trouble in the Paradise. Trouble in Paradise. But Shelton Benjamin lands pay dirt, and Shelton to the top rope with a double underhook superplex on Kofi Kingston. But Cedric Alexander tags himself in. Shelton looks confused. Cedric in and nails his finisher. I'm not really sure what it's called. It's that damned whatever backstabber type move lumbar check that's what it is i haven't heard that in so fucking long hits the lumbar check it's the win and we have new tag team champions the hurt business in 10 minutes shelton looks a little upset but hey they're champions so he lets it go they're already playing some kind of gimmick here with this now and um that's the way it is bobby lashley out with his u.s title belt to congratulate we have three fourth three three quarters of the hurt business now holding uh titles here in the wwe I think it's too soon to even hint at dissension in the ranks with these guys. I, I don't know what yeah. the, I don't know what the why you're doing that this early. Um, he he looked too he didn't look too pleased to be tagged, but once they won, it seemed like he was okay with it. Uh, they did a yeah, good job on commentary talking about how Cedric need to prove himself to MVP and Lashley because he really doesn't have any accolades outside of being the cruiserweight champion. So Shelton Lashley MVP they're all proven commodities. Cedric has to earn his keep, and he's kind of doing it at the expense of Shelton doing it. So um, I don't know why you would tease a breakup already, though. Yeah, obviously they're playing as uh, Cedric's getting the bigger head of, of the group, it looks like right now. So I'm not really sure how you go about that because he's not going to take over the group. Uh, nobody else is going to be in agreement. He's not going to oversee Bobby Lashley. Uh, MVP's clearly no. the manager role. So it's almost like, you know, eventually it's going to be Shelton that ends up on the short end of the stick, which is unfortunate because, you know, if he gets booted, he's not getting another push. He got he lucked into this. And now because he doesn't have the talent to work 
they just they've had him on the roster now for a few years and he hasn't even been on TV. So this he really lucked into this whole hurt business thing and he's making the best of it. I hope hopefully they move away from this. And we learned that the Royal Rumble is now six weeks away. That's a long time in WWE world. A lot can change in six weeks in the WWE. I might not know anything that's happening by them. Maybe half of the field I won't even recognize when they come out. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, with the way the way ratings are and all the rumors that are flying, you may see some some changes by then. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> The Slammy Awards are this coming Wednesday. Are you watching, Steve? I'm sure not. Unless Todd Pentagle's hosting, at, at I'm good. 10 a.m. on a Wednesday? What time? 10 a.m. on a Wednesday? Yeah, no thing. 10 a.m., bro. 10 a.m.? I didn't see that. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God. I just, 10 a.m. on, like, Twitch. All I saw was Wednesday. YouTube, all oh, you got to be shitting me. All I saw was Wednesday, and I automatically, I guess in my mind, assumed USA Network, 8, 9 o'clock, whatever, at night, 10, I don't know. You're telling me this shit's on social media? 10 a.m. on the WWE Network and all their social media. <laughs> they might as well say, so hell no, they might as well it. say, <laughs> they might as well say, we don't want you to watch the Slammies. <laughs> no, I ain't watch. I'll be working. So, uh, nope. Women's tag team champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler taking on Asuka and Lana. But no, Lana was injured on Raw. She had her leg injured after defeating Nia Jax in a singles match. The tag team champions took out Lana's knee. And so now Asuka goes in alone, or does she? She has a mystery partner. I left the room, so I didn't see the introduction. But when I came back, I automatically recognized that Charlotte was on the apron. So Charlotte is back in the WWE and noticeably smaller, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I texted my friend. I was like, who's Asuka's partner? Is it going to be Charlotte? Because I just kind of guessed. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had no idea. The rumors. I had no clue. I just I figured like that's who it was. But I got to point out before we get going in here, I don't know how people feel about Byron Saxton, but hmm. he made an excellent point at the beginning of this match. He's talking about how it was kind of stupid for Nia Jax and uh, Shayna Baszler to take out Lana. He's like, you're going into this match. You know who you're fighting. You know who's going to be in the ring. And Lana is considered a weak link. Now you have no idea who her partner is. And especially when it becomes Charlotte, it's like, okay, you could have had Ashka and Lana, but now you're stuck with Ashka and Charlotte, which is probably the two biggest names on Raw for women. And now you just, you just made a mistake. So it was kind of, he basically called him out for being stupid, for getting rid of the weak link. Like, why would you do that? Now you have no idea who you're fighting. And I think he even made the point too. He's like, Charlotte's hard enough to fight, but when you have, you have no idea you're even going to fight her, it's even more difficult. So, um, I, I thought, uh, I thought he did an excellent job of putting that over. Like it wasn't very smart to injure Lana. Um, Cause it's really an angle. You don't really hear too much from the commentary team. Right. Calling the yeah. stupid like that, especially these days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Byron got points for that in the back because Vince is said to be not a big fan of, of Shayna Baszler, her in-ring work. Anyway, I'm not talking about on a personal level. Anywho. The, the match begins, and like I said, Charlotte was noticeably smaller in certain areas of her body. Meanwhile, Nia Jax continues to get bigger in certain areas of her body. Hey, you can give me shit all you want. It's just the truth. Uh, I have nothing against uh, girls with a little meat on them. I'm, I'm cool with that, honestly. However, here, Nia Jax started off very unathletic to begin with. There's only one reason, in my opinion, in my estimation, how she even has a job here. And we won't go into all of that. You know, it's uh, nepotism type 
situation there, if that's if that's the word to use. Uh, but she just gets worse and worse as she puts on weight. She becomes more incapable of bumping and doing spots. Very noticeable, very slow. And I don't know if it's all just weight. She's just really not a very athletic female. And they continue to push her or use her. And at one point, she seemed to make, be making progress. But I thought for sure once she returned from her injury, we were going to see a new Nia Jax, maybe a little trimmer. I'm not saying she had to go get all diva on us, but just a little trimmer, a little more in shape, and a little more athletic. And we, we actually have seen the reverse here. And I don't know if it's the COVID season or what the deal is. But she's noticeably uh, bigger here and less mobile, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It really slowed things down. And uh, the heels do wind up getting heat on Asuka. Charlotte gets the hot tag. We see Ric Flair in the back watching on as he cheers on his daughter because Ric Flair really needs to be, uh, you know, jet set it around here during the COVID season for things like this. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I know that's all Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. So Charlotte winds up nailing her patented moonsault to the floor where she barely touches either girl, but she lands it spot on perfectly right in between them and lands right on her feet to protect herself. And I don't blame her because they wouldn't have caught her. No. Back back in the ring, hey, I had like a one of those, uh, backflip, like a moonsault, double DDT type deal. <laughs> she kind of landed and then she just went down with them. Um, like the AJ yeah, spot. It's, yeah, and it's almost like you talking about Nia. It's almost it's it's scary to the point where she's already injuring people a lot, and now she's even less mobile, less athletic in the ring. And I'm not knocking anybody. This is just what we see on the show here. Yeah, I'm not trying to discriminate against her at all. I, she serves a purpose. I, there's no doubt about that. You need those big monster heels, and that's kind of like how that's the WWE style. That's just the that's what Vince loves. So that's probably why, a lot of the reason why she has a, a position here because of her size. And again, no knocking her, but it, it's it can get scary in there. Uh, I don't want to compare it to somebody like Yokozuna, but you know when he was so heavy, he, he couldn't do anything. You know that's and funny because of, uh, as I was watching this match, that's exactly what I was thinking, Yokozuna. And I don't mean that because she's nowhere near the size that Yoko was. No, no, but no, it's, it's that just, it's that inability to really get around the ring, and it's very noticeable. It's it's dangerous mm-hmm. for her. And her opponents. Yeah, I know we talked about it in depth. Not necessarily in depth, but we talked about it quite a bit during the Survivor Series watch along, 95. Yeah. Talking about how Yoko, he was just in there just enough. Like, if you leave him in there too long, something bad is going to happen. And that's how I feel with Nia Jax because she's not very nimble. I mean, you can be big and be nimble. Absolutely. Look at Bull Nakano was tremendous. And Bertha Faye's an even better example. Getting over for German yeah. suplexes and things like that. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, like I said, it's not necessarily the size as long as you're athletic. Nia, Nia wasn't yeah. athletic to begin with. Let's you know, let's be clear here. So yeah. she's never really shown a whole lot of athleticism. I, it's scary because of how many people she's already injured, and when you're less mobile than you was when you first started, it's only going to get worse as far as injuries go. So yeah. I feel I mean, and, 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 and better I, and gets healthy. I, I, that's what I want to see too. I really, really do. But I, you know, if it keeps trending like this and I, I don't want to say this, like I'm, I'm wishing bad on her. I feel like next year we have another injury coming to herself and that might be the last we see of her. I'm not saying she's not going to be able to continue to pursue this, but I mean, after that, I just feel like that's going to be it as far as, as far as she can take this with a push. If she continues to, I don't know, like I, like you said, I hope she gets healthier. I, I agree with you. 
and we'll go back to the I match mean, here. He had a pretty pretty gruesome injury. What was it? Double yeah, ACL both, both tear. Knees. Yeah, both knees. Both knees. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's not going to help anything as far as mobility. But uh, yeah, we can get back to the match here. So Charlotte nails that double moonsault to the floor, or moonsault on both the heels to the floor. She takes Nia back in the ring, goes for the figure eight, but Nia breaks out and lands the Samoan drop. But during that spot, Nia misses a blind tag to Asuka, and Asuka comes in, and actually all four girls wind up coming in, and the figure eight is locked in now on Shayna Baszler, but Nia breaks it up. Baszler locks in her chokehold, or what, what the hell does she call that, Steve? I know you're more in tune to these things than I am. That damn finisher of hers. Uh, the care for you to clutch or something like that. Okay, whatever. So she locks that in. They do the old Piper Brett spot from WrestleMania. You love referencing that match, so I'm doing it for you. They do that old spot where uh, where Charlotte rolls through, back on top of her, makes the cover. Baszler's smart enough to release the hold, unlike Roddy Piper. So she doesn't get pinned here yet anyway. So it goes one, two, and Baszler lets go, and Charlotte pops up and nails a shitty natural selection. And the we have new tag team champions. Yeah, uh, it, it almost like as soon as I saw Charlotte come out, I knew this was going to be a squash. I mean, the heels <laughs> got their moves in, but it wasn't very long. No, uh, she got that choke in like maybe ten seconds total. That's being generous, right? Um, so uh, you just knew that that's what Charlotte is the the top of the heap. She's the top of the pecking order, and when she's in a match like this with. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, let's be honest, Vince doesn't care about this group. And um, it's just not getting over, even without a crowd, I don't think. They wouldn't get over with the crowd, to be honest with you. Shayna's more suited for NXT and being protected in that manner, um, which is unfortunate because she's put on some some great matches over the years in NXT. And it just stinks she's stuck in this and Vince doesn't get it with her. But, um, yeah, this match was kind of a throwaway. I thought Charlotte looked better. She looked a lot better, you know, more proportional. <laughs> um, yeah, she can get actually get around and, now. <laughs> uh, she looked good. So, yeah, she, she seemed like a lot lighter on her feet. And um, yeah, I think this. I think that time off is going to be huge for her. I think she's she's going to be re-energized. I think people are going to, if we ever get fans back in the in the buildings, I think people will be, you know, she's fresh and new again. She's not like overstaying her welcome. So. Um, I'm interested to see what they do here. I can already see it. All right, I helped you get the belts and beat Nia. Now I want my belt back or something like that. So um, we'll see what happens between these two. Yeah, this was another match that was just really there for me. For Charlotte Marks, I'm sure they popped big and they were marking out and having a great time with this thing. I'm not really not a Charlotte fan. I'm not really a, a, a gigantic Charlotte fan. I'm happy that she's back in the mix with some of these other girls so that we can have, you know, that's more good matches that we know are coming up in the in the near future. The match went 10 minutes here. I just wish they would move away from that natural selection move. It looks like shit. I don't buy it as a finisher, first of all. But this one particular one, and I don't know if, whose fault it was. It may have been Baszler's. It may have been just the way they were positioned, but this one looked like shit. might have even been just the cam- camera angle. But I wasn't, really wasn't buying this as the finisher. I was hoping they would go into something else. But we do have new tag team champions, finally. and it, it, it's So Sasha Banks is a champion. We have Charlotte Nasca. As champions, so we got a lot of fighting champ, really good workers as champions. Now mm-hmm. it's going to be some fun women's matches ahead here, at least in early twenty twenty one. Yeah, Raw could use the boost there with Charlotte coming back, especially for their women's division. It's kind of lackluster compared to SmackDown with Sasha and Bailey and them guys over there. But uh, 
So, uh, yeah, I'm sure they're happy to have her back. Quick backstage segment with Big E and Sami Zayn. Of course, Big E, like I said, challenging Zayn this Friday on SmackDown for the Intercontinental title. I smell title change there in, in the near future anyway, even if it doesn't happen their first match. It won't take long because uh, they got designs on pushing Big E to the to the top, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can get over and stay over if he does win the Intercontinental title there. Back to the ring, our final title match of the night, the Universal title. On the line here is Roman Reigns takes on Kevin Owens in another TLC match. And I guess the story here is Reigns sick Jey Uso on Kevin Owens after the Survivor Series loss. Because remember, if they don't respect Jey Uso, they don't respect the family. They don't respect the family. They don't respect Roman Reigns. And he wants uh, he wanted Jey to get some revenge on his team for losing. And I guess uh, Owens wound up taking uh, taking Jey out with a chair and calling out Roman Reigns for a title match here on the pay-per-view. And Roman Reigns accepted. Sometimes that's all it takes to get a title shot, Steve. Just ask for it. Yeah, simple and effective. <laughs> As the match gets going, Roman Reigns fucks around. He was pulling a Michael Hayes before the match even started, just walking around. Slowest entry. He, he may have beat Randy Orton here this week, uh, in this month, <laughs> on the pay-per-view as far as uh, the, the length of the entrance goes. Uh, but Kevin Owens finally pounces once Reigns gets in the ring. Jey Uso tries to get involved early on, and Owens tries to take Jey Uso out again at the ankle. And it works for a while. Jay Uso is sent to the back as he hobbles back on a bad ankle. And it's back and forth. Lots of spots. Lots of really decent stuff here. Owens looks like he's almost winning this thing more than once. Jay Uso back out to stop that from happening. And Roman Reigns takes back over. And it's kind of a triangle of situation here. Ro- uh, Kevin Owens gets the upper hand. He takes out Roman Reigns. He gets to the top of the ladder. Here's Jay Uso again. Takes out Jey Uso. Roman Reigns comes in and takes over. And that's kind of, we we did that a few times throughout this match. And then Owens proceeded to take four or five insane bumps in a row on ladders, through tables, all over the place. Speared through a table, uh, spine buster through a table, uh, power bombed on a ladder. I mean, just insane spot after insane spot right in a row. And I just thought for sure at this point, I thought they... If they continue to do this and Reigns just walks up that ladder, they've basically buried Kevin Owens. I think at one point it was like, man, he's going to look like a... Remember the Undertaker-Jeff Hardy thing where he just kept coming back and beating him because he wouldn't stay down and it got Jeff Hardy over? I thought that would work here for Owens as well, but they just continue to do this so many times. Like, If Owens doesn't get one more comeback, this is not helping him because uh, uh, Reigns proceeded to murder him with spot after spot through things. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good story. I know on SmackDown, I watched the highlight video of the package uh, coming into this one where they, like, Owens just kept on getting up, kept on getting up. He got beat up in the back, and then he walks out to the stage. And he's still walking. He's like, if he gets up again, I'm taking food off of his table and things like that. So it, it fit the mat. Right. And uh, I thought, like, after on the corner, that that was it. And then. <laughs> he gets up again, and then this time Reigns goes flying through that little barricade they have around the ring bell uh, after the fact. So I thought they did a pretty solid job of keeping Kevin Owens protected. Uh, I don't know what for, because they really haven't done anything with him for quite a while. But, um, uh, yeah, he kicked his ass and did a lot of things. But at the same time, like after that Superman punch, when he was going for the pop-up powerbomb, I was like, okay, they're just going to jog him out like that. And then he got the pop-up powerbomb on Reigns through the table. So the fact that Jay Uso had to keep on coming out and then he kept on coming back, kept on coming back, I felt like he looked pretty good coming out of this. 
I yeah. thought he's still elevated a little bit, and uh, yeah, they and did a pretty good job, and I like the story. Yeah, and that's why I was saying if he didn't come back after being murdered here, put through like 10 things in a row, then that was pretty much not – that was not good for Kevin Owens' career. However, he rolls out of the ring, and he tells Reigns, you're going to have to kill me. And so Reigns comes out, and he's going to spear Owens, but Owens sidesteps, and Reigns winds up spearing through the barricade instead. Kevin Owens does take back over, and like you said, they tease that pop-up power bomb, but Reigns nails the Superman punch. And so you think right there, okay, this is it now. Owens got his quick comeback. Now it's Reigns' time to shine. But no, he still winds up nailing that pop-up powerbomb through a table on Reigns. And then uh, Jimmy Uso, or, or excuse me, Jay Uso, back involved again. It's just a bunch of back and forth, really, top to bottom. So The Fiend, or excuse me, The Fiend. So Roman Reigns winds up going over, though, in the, in the finish of this whole thing. And uh, basically what happened was it looked like Owens had the win. It really did. I, Jay, Jay Uso back in again and knocked off. The latter, and Owens was right there. He had the belt in hand. And thanks to the good camera angles that hid the fact that Roman Reigns has gotten up, uh, Reigns comes back in. He winds up locking the guillotine on Kevin Owens on the top of the ladder until Owens passes out, falls off the ladder, and Reigns winds up getting the belt, retaining the title, 25-minute match. Honestly, probably the best match I've seen since we started covering these things. Wow, that's high praise. I, I really do. I'm really enjoying Roman Reigns. I know he does a lot of talking during these matches in the Thunderdome. And I just love the gimmick. I love the head of the table stuff. It doesn't get old because like, I, I know he says it a lot, but Paul Heyman talking really enhances him. And this match was just, it was awesome. I thought they did a great job of protecting Kevin Owens. There's a lot of hope spots and there's a lot of times where Owens had the belt and he could have easily taken it off, but because it took, Reigns or Jay just a little bit too long to get to the to the ladder to stop him. Right. Um. But but it really made you feel like he was going to do it. And, yeah, um, absolutely. That's kind of, that's kind of what you need in these matches. You needed. It even felt like early on in this year or in this match that not this match but in this card, I thought AJ had a pretty good chance of winning. I thought when Miz came out and dropped him through the table, right? I thought AJ was going to steal it. So, I was hoping uh, he done would. A pretty solid job. Yeah. They're doing a pretty solid job of giving those hope spots in the ladder matches. Uh, obviously, the two champions retained. But, um, yeah, this is a great match. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I was just going to say, for somebody that's not invested in any of this anymore, like myself, because I'm not really following anything, I'm just not into anything they're doing right now, me and a, a zillion other people. But to just sit down and watch this, I thought they did a really great job, especially the second half of the match. All of the hope spots and false finishes in a ladder match, mind you. It's hard to pull off, and they did it. I mean, it was really, really well done. Yeah, and this is where it got interesting for me. This is this is tells you how this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, this is how tuned in I am. I saw Roman Reigns like holding the belt, and then they went to a commercial for Broken Skull Sessions, and I'm like, all right, the show's over. I, I actually closed out, and then I talked to my friend. I said, "How's TLC going?" I'm like, "It's over." Then I was like, "Oh shit, the Inferno match is still going on." So I had to hurry up and turn it back on, and I don't I don't think I missed anything, but uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about this match. So that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it depends on how about what's going on. Yeah, well, it depends on how long you know you, you before you realized it, because there was a long break in there again with the, the video leading up the feud video for the the Inferno match, and then the entrance just seemed to go on forever. Randy Orton's anyway, which is common, but still seems silly without a crowd, real crowd there. And that is the main event. It's Randy Orton taking on The Fiend in a Firefly Inferno match. And the 
Fiend has been playing with Orton for weeks, if not months now. He wound up costing Orton in a return match where Orton challenged Drew McIntyre to try to get the belt back. And Orton says Fiend's weakness is Alexa Bliss. But Alexa Bliss isn't here, so the Fiend technically has no weakness here this uh, on the pay-per-view. Good psychology there. So back last week on Raw, Orton challenged Wyatt's cheery Firefly Funhouse persona to a game of hide-and-seek that ended in a backstage brawl where Orton locked Wyatt inside of a wooden box and set it on fire. I'm glad I missed that. The Fiend then emerged from the flaming box and attacked Orton. And now it's an Inferno match. And that's basically, I guess that's how it became an Inferno match at the last minute. Match gets going, and I write to myself, where's the Inferno? I don't see any fire. I'm, honestly, I didn't even see the, the little gimmicks they had set up there until they actually caught on fire. When the guys roll out of the ring after Bray Wyatt nails one of his sister Abigails, they go out of the ring and all the little areas catch on fire around the barricade area. So that's, it's a little different from the Kane Undertaker era of the Firefly. I should also note, both guys are covered in clothes. So Bray Wyatt has his normal gear, the Fiend gear, plus a leather jacket. Randy Orton's sporting a jacket and pants himself to get this thing going. So a little different look at the Inferno match, Steve. How did you take it? I liked it. I thought all the fire in between like the video walls and just all over the place. Because I, I, one of the biggest issues I had with the initial Inferno match was they were stuck in the ring, so it kind of hinders you a little bit. Uh, obviously, Undertaker going flying over, it kind of helps you get out of that. But then how do you get back in? So it's like you're you're stuck. So uh, the different places, it basically allows you to fight all over the, the ringside area. And, and some of those twirly flame sticks or whatever the hell you want to call them look pretty cool. Um, it, was, it was definitely a unique look. And I gave it to... Uh, I sent a screenshot to my uh, my friend. I was like, it looks pretty sweet in here uh, for this Inferno match. Uh, I thought it looked better than the originals or what you're used, accustomed to seeing for an Inferno match. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked a lot better, but I don't know that any Inferno match is going to be a very good match, when you, <laughs> especially when you get to the end of this one. Oh, my God. Oh, but Lord. Wyatt dominates this one uh, early and often. Uh, no selling most of what Randy Orton was throwing at him. Wyatt even lights a belt on fire at one point and tries to whip Orton with it, but misses. Grabs a pickaxe from under the ring because now pickaxes are under the ring, but he misses and gets lodged into the barricade or a table or something over there. And he couldn't get it back out, so Orton tried to take back over. Then we get the one of these spots of the night. It's not the spot of the night because that's still coming up. Uh, he he pulls uh, The Fiend pulls out the rocking chair. Pours gasoline all over the rocking chair and lights or uh, pours a stream of gasoline across the mat on the outside of the ring and then sits Orton in the rocking chair and lights the trail of gasoline so that it will eventually catch up to Orton in the chair and presumably light him on fire and murder him. Orton luckily gets out of the chair in time before the fire reaches him. However, anybody who's ever seen this work or, or seen a, a stream of gasoline catch on fire this is the slowest burning gasoline line i've ever trail i've ever seen because one minute the fiend lights it and orton sits there for five seconds and watches it before he gets up out of the chair and it never does reach him i also have never seen gasoline burn out so quickly because if you notice the chair never burns down the the padding never burns up but whatever it is what it is the match continues. Orton takes over for a bit. He's got an axe handle because now axe handles are under the ring too. It's more back and <laughs> forth shit. 
I marked down that, that uh, Fiend uh, called on a Zeus, you know, RIP Zeus. He does the old neck snap to Randy Orton here. Yeah. Randy Orton comes back, delivers the suspension DDT from the apron to the floor, tries for an RKO, but ends up eating the mandible claw, literally eating the mandible claw. And Orton backs, uh, I think he inadvertently backs the Fiend into the fire, and the Fiend catches on fire. So the match should be over, right? Isn't that, I mean, I saw Kane's arm catch on fire, and that was the end of the match. But apparently not here. This is a Firefly Inferno match, so there must be more to it. It was a pretty cool look there to see the Fiend standing outside with his with his uh, legs and his the back of his jacket on fire as he rushed into the ring and ate an RKO, laying there still on fire. But that wasn't enough. See, the fire went out. And as the camera cut away and we replaced Stuntman with, with a gimmicked body, a, a dead, lifeless body, uh, I'm assuming some sort of a mannequin, Randy Orton pours gasoline all over the body, lights it on fire, burns the entire body. Apparently, to win a Firefly Inferno match, you must char your opponent dead. And Randy Orton picks up the win here. I have no idea how long this went. I don't even know what the fuck I just watched. <laughs> I don't either. I will say, though, that they did, they did mention after he hit the RKO and he got grabbed that little can of gasoline that uh, the match is already over. This is just Orton taking it too far. So they, the bell didn't ring, and you didn't know the match was over. But if you was, I doubt you was paying attention to commentary. <laughs> they did say that the match was over. This is just kind of extra. Um, oh, well, that's good yeah, to know. This, the, the ending, yeah, this, the, the ending was a little, I don't know. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Um, but I actually took a screenshot to send to my friend because he, he's obviously not watching. He's the lucky <laughs> one here. And uh, I'm actually looking at it right now, and the glove where he has the the words on the glove, right, is is up. It, it's it's readable. It's legible. You can see the the writing on the gloves. And so he's laying down on his back with his hands should be back first. You know, the back of your hands up, palms up. So right. you're not going to see that. So. Either his hands can twist around like the exorcist, you know, like their necks. Well, he is the fiend. Or, he should be able to do such things, right? You would or think. this is a dummy and they have his gloves on wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, well. Uh, oh, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, there's a report that came out that said they refuted the statement of the USA's pissed and wanted the, added, the adult content, more violence. Right. They say that's false. Um, yeah, I saw Dave Meltzer however, said it was, it was false. Yeah, so, however, uh, the, obviously the message has been heard. They want to get more adult-oriented, but I don't know if catching a dude on fire in the middle yeah, that's of the rain is Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, are you, you know, really when, going this Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you want a more edgy product. This I don't think this is going to get you more ratings. This is the wrong direction of edgy. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the complaints are going to be like up in Stanford from all these parents that are having kids. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, man. I've been going to stores all over the place looking for things. And I always, whenever I go to like a big box store, I always go to the wrestling aisle to look at the, the figures that are on the shelves and every store I've been to, these figures are gone. Now I know collectors like to buy them and flip them do what they do, but it is Christmas time and these things are not on the shelf. So I'm assuming a lot of kids are going to be buying action figures or getting action figures for Christmas. And so clearly this is a family oriented product. This is not the, this is not the direction to go at all. I, I get 
edgier angles and things like that. I, I, like, I don't need to see a Pillman, <laughs> you know, gun angle again. Like, that's <laughs> done all that. Like, that's that's too far in 2020. Burning somebody in the middle of the ring is too far in 2020. You're showing it. Like, whenever they do this, they usually hide it in a casket, in a box, whatever the case may be. You never see it. Uh, you see an arm go up in flames. That's fine. That's... We see that all the time in movies. This was a human body, supposedly, in the middle of your ring on fire. And there's nobody even coming to take the fire out, like the flames out. Like, where right. the hell's the 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 people to, with the fire extinguishers? Like, yeah, yeah. Makes, it makes no sense. It's very graphic. And the whole thing is just to look at Orton with his demented look on his face. And that's, that's what they're going for here. They're not even showing them save this dude in the middle of the ring. Yeah, yeah. So, it's not the lasting impact you want to see. You're like five days from Christmas. Kids are watching this show, obviously. And this is how you send them home. Very, very poorly, poor, poor decision making here, I think. Um, well, here's here's one of my issues with this. There's this whole talk of the another reboot. Whether it's edgy or not, I can't say. But there's a talk of another reboot coming up because what they're doing right now clearly isn't working. So instead of kind of keeping things on pause, having a match, doing what you got to do, they go the opposite direction and just take it to the utmost extreme here, burning a human being alive. I mean, well, okay, the fiend is technically not a human being, so he's a supernatural being, okay? But the vision of this is silly. And I'm not offended by it, at least not, not like a parent offended by it, because I sat here and watched it with two of my kids. Neither one of them took it seriously. They were just as disgusted by it as I was, not because it was offensive that way. It's offensive that I'm supposed to buy into this. When you watch wrestling, even though, yes, it's not real, (laughs) you don't want to be slapped in the face and be reminded that it's not real as you're watching it. I know the ship has sailed as far as exposing the business goes, so I'm not going to go into a big tirade about how this exposes the business. They've done, did that 20 times over, but this was just not wrestling. It's not wrestling. Uh, you want to have your cinematic shit? Okay. And you do that every once in a while? Whatever, dude. I, I, I'm fine with that. But I don't know who. I, 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 I want to say I don't know who thought of this, but I can only imagine who thought of this. So it is what it is. It'll be great, pal. <laughs> Light them on fire. Watch them burn. Burn it here. I can hear him now. Yeah, that's that answer. I can see Bruce Pritchard liking this too. Bruce um, Pritchard likes whatever Vince McMahon says. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that's plus, been like that for thirty plus years. It's how he's kept a job more often than not. Job now, yeah. yeah. I think I think if this was a cinematic match and this is how it ended, all, all I'm I'm fine with it. But for every wrestling fan that's like you and your kids, like there's millions that are just, oh my god, it's real. Like I know I have a friend that I work with. His daughter like buys into everything. Oh my god! I don't like it. Like she got, she started crying during the Fiend's entrance when it was at SmackDown because it scared her. So I mean that that's how it is to some people. It's not like they know the business or I know like when I teach, but if I, if my kids were into wrestling, I'm teaching them the business, the ins and outs, and letting them know, like, hey, this isn't this is what this this is what's going on here. Whereas most people just watch it, it's entertainment. And uh, if you're like a six or seven year old kid and I'd be like, Mom, what's going on here? Why are they burning this guy? That's how I'm looking at it. Um, because I don't, when I was that age, I didn't know the business like I do now. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's it, it, it's pushing the envelope to a place that 
as me personally, I'm not offended. I don't care. I know what's going on. But if my five year old son was in here, I know exactly what he's saying. Dad, why is that guy on fire? Uh, is he okay? Is that real? So I got to answer some questions. It's not enough for me to complain, but it's definitely a little dicey. So um, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. A little bit of me wants to watch Raw tomorrow just to see if this is like a the start of a, of a reboot, like you mentioned, um, to see if things how things go. But I doubt that's happening. Yeah, and this is just a throwaway because you know Bray Wyatt's coming back. So to go to this well, gonna, <laughs> extreme for, for tomorrow, I don't know how fast they're going to bring him. They got six weeks before they need to do anything ma- major with him. So who who knows? But I would just yeah. him off to the Rumble. I got I got nothing else on this pay-per-view, man. I thought, you know, like I said, the one-letter match was good. There were a couple things that were okay. Uh, I, I like the Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns ladder match. That's really all I got out of this show. And the main event, I hope to never – it was worse than I had figured it was going to be. There was just far less wrestling that I had hoped for. Like, there really were barely ever in the ring or did anything that resembled wrestling. And you might say, well, you should expect that. This is an Inferno match, and this, it's the Fiend character. Dude, I can't watch things that don't involve people actually beating each other up with their hands at some point. Just pickaxes and right. axe handles and fucking flaming belts. And uh, and it's it might sound cool when I'm naming all, oh, man, that's that's a great visual race saying right there. Let's let's go watch that. No, please don't. It's not fun. It's, <laughs> they don't actually use these things. Nobody actually gets hit with a, a flaming belt or a pickaxe to the head. Maybe that would be cool. I don't know. You know, especially to Randy Orton. But <laughs> I mean, at least mankind, like to me, mankind is what the fiend is and mankind. I don't, I'm not a huge Mick Foley fan, but his matches made sense when he was doing all this shit. Like, <laughs> there was actually wrestling involved and you wear somebody down to get to this point. These guys were just trying to catch each other on fire fresh right out the gate. And that, that takes away from it. I got to ask though, you said Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns was your favorite match that you watched since then. I, I, I think what about Bailey and Sasha in the cell? Oh, see, I, I'll never go back and watch any of these matches ever again. So without seeing it again, I can't say for sure. But I feel like maybe this was better. I mean, just the um, the emotion, the story, the uh, back and forth, the all the near, I don't want to call them near falls, but the near wins by, by uh, Kevin Owens going up there and all the uh, hope spots and things that he got throughout the match. I don't know. They were both equally pretty damn good, I, I would imagine, in their own right. Yeah. Certainly the only two matches I, that stick out out of the four four shows we've done so far for WWE pay-per-views anyway. And I, I dare say I, I I better than that. I'm happy. Yeah. And I think better than anything that was on that last AEW pay-per-view we did as well. And now, now we're really <laughs> going to get some uh, hate mail. Some heat. Some heat. That's okay. But, hey, it is what it is, and that's all I got. And this was the Power Hour, and it's been an hour, Steve, so we can say goodbye to 2020, we can say goodbye to WWE, and we can say goodbye to TLC, at least until next year. It's the Royal Rumble upcoming next year in the WWE. That hopefully should be at least halfway decent. How do you ruin a Royal Rumble? Well, go back and watch last year's, or this year's. (laughs) It wasn't bad. I don't remember liking it, but, hey, Whatever, man. Teach their own. I always go back and watch the older ones anyway. I did too. 89, 90 to about 94, and I'm, I stopped. 
I tell you what, man, if you reboot at the Royal Rumble and you still ruin it, I'm done. I'm fucking done. No more fucking reviews. I'm fucking done. If you fuck, if you can somehow fuck up a Royal Rumble pay-per-view and a reboot at the same time, you're fucking, you need to go old man. (laughs) Fucking go home and die in that bed and let your kids take over because, oh my God. Yeah. You got, you got the perfect opportunity to turn your company around. You better not miss it. Yeah. It's kind of WrestleMania season basically. And it's Royal Rumble season, which I enjoy just as much if not more than WrestleMania. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but yeah. So thank you guys. Once again, another episode of the power hour in the books and we're done with 2020, at least here on the power hour, Steve. Thank God. Same here, man. Do you like that little Happy New Year thing from them uh, with the 2020 virus or whatever it was? <laughs> I was going up the stairs during the in between the matches, and I turned around and caught that. I didn't. It took me a second to figure out what it was. My kid actually figured it out before me, and he explained it to me. I go, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Then I went upstairs and got more like coffee. It. <laughs> yeah, it was something different. I think it's. Like, I think a lot of people are feeling that way, so they can all. Everybody can relate to that commercial. So um, absolutely they did good there. I will say that. Well, so, no, I know for here for WWE. Absolutely. And I want to wish everybody uh happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa even. And uh Happy New Year, Steve, to you as well. Yeah, thank you. I hope everybody stays safe. Enjoy your family. Uh Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, the whole the whole nine. You guys have a great uh rest of your twenty twenty. So get ready for that, that stimulus money. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just announced stimulus. You guys spend that wisely. Spend it on Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Subscribe now. $5 to the Watch Along series. Everything we do in the Watch Alongs from WCW and WWF pay-per-views to Coliseum Video, Saturday Night's Main Event, everything in between, and more goodies coming soon. So for Ray Russell and Steve Eckstadt, we thank you once again. This has been another edition of the Power Hour. Power Hour.